Now, after quite a while, uh, and for the first time this year, we are back, Janet Anscombe. We are back with CanaryCast. We are indeed. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, even though it feels like, you know, <laughs> it feels like the New Year was ages ago, ages ago. It is, well, it's 17 days ago. <laughs> I know. And of course, we had a very busy King's Eve here because we, you know, you know what happens when you do something you come up you come up with an alternative and it works so well that everyone says oh we'll do that in future so here in Adeje, as people will know if they live here we decided instead of because we couldn't have a parade up the high street the calle grande they did a car tour of all of the villages of the borough and there were glitches and it went on for a lot longer than we thought but we did live television coverage and live radio coverage of it i was involved in the tv coverage on the production side and it worked really well but so well now that the mayor has said well we'll be doing that next year <laughs> plus it's, a parade so wonderful. yeah it's wonderful. it did they, work they well did and it was lovely. Yeah, so and i think a lot of people i mean i'm not saying it was an original idea but it was one, especially for people who maybe don't have cars, maybe can't get up to the main towns when these big events are happening. You know, that, right, if you, if you can't go and see the Kings, the Kings will come to you. And I thought it was it was great fun to be involved in too. It, it was the same in Gidrasara. They they did this with the Kings. We have them in our village as well. It's, it's a tiny little village. And the majority of occupants are old, but there are a couple of young families. And the Kings came and they were, everybody was around the village square and they came up in the car and they sort of stopped momentarily they didn't get out there when they were mm. throwing the sweets and it was all very restrained but everybody got to see them and as you say there are many people in at least my village that would not have gone to get no. desire to see the main cabalgado they just wouldn't have gone so it, it was a wonderful thing actually and it went down a bomb here all through the villages in the Midiania, Zingia, Desora, just like in Adeche. I'm sure we're not the only two council areas. No, so I, I think it was an idea used by lots because it, it made perfect sense. Great and idea. it is a great idea. And it's one day, I mean, if you don't, if you've just moved here or if you're here on holidays, you mightn't understand the excitement that King's is here but it is like christmas day i mean it's not even a little bit it is more important than christmas eve and christmas day for anybody who has been born and reared here unless you're the very lucky kids of immigrants like my kid who grew up with both events being equally important um and and knowing that there was only one big present and it was either from the kings or santa claus but that both days were very special well, I, I think in, in terms of Southern European, the more Catholic countries anyway, the, the whole idea is that the biblical story is based on the epiphany. Exactly. And the epiphany which... is, is not the appearance of Jesus, but the appearance of the kings, the three wise men. Bringing gifts. Kings from the Orient, bringing gold, frankincense and myrrh. And so that is what the Catholic countries te have tended to, to follow. Santa Claus is, is really quite a new, a new thing. Indeed, indeed. From, I mean, on a very ancient tradition in the north of Europe, perhaps, but in the, in I think the Germany and Sweden more than here. And there's a yeah. Saint, there is and, and a Saint there Nicholas. Is, it's Father Christmas rather than Sinterklaas. Yeah. So. Obviously, for any, you know, both of whom are incredibly real and magic. Just. Of course. Yeah. Of course. That is, that is something that must be stressed at all times. Anyway, we're back to today. Today is the 17th of January. And 
you know, it's, it isn't something that we report on often, but there is storm damage all over the island because we have had three or four days of inclement, unseasonal weather. Um, so we have, I, I was wondering, did I have uh, Colima or Covarama or whatever, because I've, <laughs> I've been feeling a bit coffee and illy, but I think it's more to do with COVID and high winds rather than, than any, not COVID, I mean the Colima and high winds. Because it's We've been pretty horrible this. for the last few days. We've always found this, haven't we? The, the Kalimas, they, they bring all this dust and pulver in the atmosphere, they call it, don't they? There's just like sand and dust. And it, it, there are so many irritants in it. And it burns your eyes and it makes you feel yeah. like your nose is all blocked up and it gives you a croaky voice and sore throat. And of course, these are among the symptoms for the Omicron variant. Yeah, so so I was yesterday they, going, okay, what have I got? I have when, when they were forecasting this Kalima, they were saying, oh, here we go. People are not going to know whether they've got COVID yeah. or it's just a Kalima. But the main problem, it seems to me, we had the Kalima over the last several days, but the main problem has been there's been a Boraska as well out in the Atlantic. And these two systems have just met yeah. and collided rather than, rather than met, yeah. collided over the island. So we've had gale force sandy rain 100 kilometer an hour winds last night a lot of a lot of damage and it makes you feel makes me feel anyway mentally buffeted as well as physically buffeted i, I feel unsettled and uneasy yeah under siege almost the calls, you know the the gusts of wind at times are so vicious it feels like they're actually rattling the walls of the house i mean i know Incredible. We shouldn't always be going on about pets and things, but my poor old cat, who normally eats and kind of semi lives on the balcony, he do, he won't eat in the wind, and you kind of get that because if you're trying to eat but you have a hundred kilometer an hour wind going up your nose, it's a bit difficult. So my house is now also the cat's feeding trays. Trying to clean the house at the weekend for anybody was been absolutely impossible. But I mean, it's these are minor things. One friend of ours. Imagine if you're a chicken. Imagine oh, of course, your poor chickens. <laughs> they are so aerodynamic because they're birds. Their bones are, are hollow and they have no weight to them. And they, of they are don't. Feathered. So the slightest little breeze takes them off their feet and they hate the wind because they feel like they can't stay on the ground. And they so what have you done with them? Blocks. I hope they've been allowed to come inside. Well, they have they have a house in their coop and they okay. have decided they are going to stay in their house. One of them went out this morning and uh, when I was doing room service, went out <laughs> and came back in within about 30 seconds complaining at how windy it still was. I'm not surprised. <laughs> they have the Canarian government house this morning lifted the alert. There's still a yellow alert for winds in the north over the next 24 hours, but mm. it does seem at least to be passing a little bit. Yeah. It was very wet this morning, though. That was that was a new element to it. And one of our friends, a friend of this programs, uh, is Maria, who who now runs the Casa Fuerte, which is the fort house up in Adeje. And I I I texted her on our behalf, Janet, because one of the big palm trees just outside on the main street near the Adeje Cannon snapped and fell on top of some of the buildings of the old fort house. Now, if you, if, you're, if you have Instagram, you can see that Casa Fuerte and you can see the damage. But she so we texted her this morning and she said um, that the, the tree was rotten, fell onto the part. She said it was most recently the Salon de Empaquetado. 
So this would have been the tomato packing area. Um, and she's had the builders up. She says it looks worse than it is. Nobody was injured. Uh, now, interesting, she says in April, they're going to plan for a small mercado artesanal. So that would be like an arts and craft fair in the area, in that in, inner patio with open doors. Uh, they've said the Cabildos granted them some money to repair some of the roof in the original porter's room. And they are still open for visits. So they're, they're doing guided visits Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. There's a little shop at the top of the road near the Canon where you can pop in and see Maria and book yourself a guided tour. And I'm hoping to record a guided tour soon uh, for the English time program. Um, so I would say, you know, the, the palm tree did fall on some of the buildings, but no one was injured. And the tours are going ahead, guys, if you're interested. And it's well worth a visit. It certainly is. It's living history. It, Very it, it much is so. Rejuvenating living history. It's wonderful. But this, this damage, I'm glad to hear that it wasn't as, as bad as it looked. But um, a friend who lives in Chamaimo was saying that a locked gate was blown open. The wind was so Jesus. strong. Chamaimo is, is located up a sort of valley from Los Gigantes. Mm -hmm. And so it almost like funnels the wind up. <laughs> And it, it, in fact, they rang to see how we were because we normally get weather worse at altitude than down below. Um, and, and we didn't have it as, as bad as they did, actually. Tamima really. Because of that funneling. Because of that funneling yeah. effect, yeah. So, so I think there will be quite a few reports today of hopefully none too serious damage. I haven't heard of anybody. No, parts of a couple of boulders seem to have fallen down onto the small beach in Playa Paraiso. And we have reports as well that a couple of, of um, hoardings in a school in Tijoco also came down. The Bomberos of Adeje on their Facebook page, you can see some of the work that those guys have been doing over the weekend. I mean, they're 24 seven people and they're all volunteers. So that's another group yes. that we, we, we tip our hats to at all times. Absolutely. So there has been storm damage, but like you say, we haven't heard any news at the moment of any injuries. No, nothing um, major. Nothing, nothing major. major and no human damage so. no human damage which is always the priority isn't it well we, we have said haven't we that as the climate um crisis worsens the weather will become more chaotic and we are in a very lucky position here but mm. we're not going to remain unaffected by it and we can see no. the increasing chaos in our own weather systems yeah. i think and it I, i'm just glad we're here because yeah. this level of chaos is going to be even worse up in, up in europe in other parts of the world, as we've saw, as we saw last year, and I mean, let's let's wait and see what this year brings. Um, but let's stay here though, because you were saying to me before we started to record that the rain could also bring extra worry for people in La Palma. They have been worried over the last few days because this Kalima was known to be coming, and we had alerts for wind, and then this Barasca came in from the west from the Atlantic and it was became obvious they were going to clash over the islands and cause rain and we all know what rain is like in a Kalima it's, it's just like falling mud isn't it and yes it's, it's, it's sludgy horrible rain but of course the problem in La Palma one concern rather has always been there is so much loose ash it's consolidating but it's, it's heavy stuff yeah, and yeah. with enough rain, it can form a mud flow. Yeah, and yeah. they've always been concerned about this. And they were saying when the rain was forecast, 
just if you're in any sort of area that could be affected by one of these lehars, then just get out of the way because it is possible. I haven't heard there's been a problem, thankfully, but they are still unsure as to what to do with all this ash because there is so much of it. They can't just shovel it into the sea. No, no. Some, a lot of it went into the sea already and there is there are reports that quite a bit of marine life has been very badly affected by what's already gone into the sea they can't put more in no, no. and yet what the hell do you do you can't put it back in the volcano it's it, i mean it is a question isn't it i mean i've yes. been looking at this um because other people have asked the same question and you know there are reports interesting reports i don't know how much of this could be used but they're talking about the fact that apparently volcanic ash is a very useful component of cement. They've even found volcanic ash in the, the Pantheon in Rome. So they're asking, well, could this ash be used as part of a rebuilding project? Rebuilding roads, rebuilding yeah. houses and other structures. Um, so that's one thing that can be looked at. The other part of this problem as well, Janet, is the huge lava flows that have you know this is molten lava so ash is one thing and then there's the molten lava yes. that stopped you know halfway down a street um the 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 commission the european commission for agriculture was in la palma last week and apparently like they were saying that he was looking he was in a banana plantation and he was looking at a molten lava flow that had stopped but it was 10 meters high now from what I gather, they even have to, they can't start removing that yet because inside it's still hot. It's still over 100 degrees minimum in, in, in some parts that have cooled down virtually completely so you can walk on them. It's still 100, 100 degrees inside. So you can't just get a digger and start. You can't just get it. No, they have, they have excavated or basically carved roadways through some parts of the... Um, the Colados with JCBs, they've actually excavated yes. some, but that's just to create access for people to get to banana plantations that still exist, but mm. were cut off. Yeah. And for people to get back to their houses, those that still, you know, have houses, our houses. And, but they are now talking about some of this lava, as you say, it's 10 meters thick. I mean, you can't just, what do you do with it? Even if you could remove it, what could you do with it? They're now talking about it might be worth beginning to think about constructing reconstructing on top of it rather than yeah i mean that there are so many unlike a flood or unlike a fire which you know is devastating in its destruction but when it's gone it's gone um, a volcano leaves itself behind i mean it's uh, and as with so many other disasters around the world over the years we've seen haven't we that it, it's all huge news while it's happening, but the it's once the, the eyes of the world and the media turn away, the, the actual real work has to resume or, or start to get people's lives back to normal. And that can yeah. take, in some cases, can take decades. Decades, well, I was gonna say, I, I mean, another thing obviously is that this is also in the long-term considered or potentially very fertile. I mean, that volcanic ash and volcanic landscapes are not barren landscapes. You look at the wine growing regions of, of Lanzarote, but again, that's not something that can be converted from lava into fertile land in the space of a year, it is decades. Yes, but they are, I think, analyzing at this moment, analyzing the ash 
to yeah. see, you know, what are its potential hmm? ranges of options. Even toothpaste apparently is another one. Yeah. That it's, you know, dental hygiene could benefit yeah. from the volcanic eruptions of La Palma. So we, you know, we'll be using toothpaste called La Palma in a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> there won't be a Colgate smile. There'll be a La Palma smile. Ka-ching! <laughs> The, the La Palma Ring of Confidence. <laughs> For those who remember that. For those who remember that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that's something I think we should revisit every now and then, Janet, to just yeah. let people know what's happening. Because, yeah. you know, the other thing is I know the, the Alliance of, of Municipal Tourism Boroughs will be encouraging. They're going to be promoting La Palma. I think at national level as well. In fact, that'll move us nicely onto something um, because now that the eruptions are over, you know, tourism in general can start to recover and sure. um, obviously in a, in a managed way. And I think that would be important for the island too. Anything that brings in properly regulated income will be a good thing. And I think in terms of niche tourism, which is the only sort of sustainable tourism that, that is really possible, it provides, I mean, what an opportunity for yeah. scientific, scientifically based tourism to go and look at absolutely and absolutely. ash and how in volcan work and how the Pavolka system works and yeah. even to to look at a at a composition of lava and under a microscope perhaps. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I that would interest me to go on that kind of a, a two day scientific trip. Yeah. Okay, so if anyone's doing those, let me and Janet know. We'll do a podcast yeah, live do. from there. Please let us know. <laughs> but, but we're going to, speaking of tourism, we always, you know, try and do these little links naturally. <laughs> yeah. We do want to talk about FITUR. FITUR is the Spanish Tourism Trade Fair, I would say, second only to the World Travel Market in the UK, which yes. usually takes place in November. So... Yes. Yet again, it has happened this year in a very slimmed down way because of COVID. Um, Adeche has a, like, a, I think there's a delegation of about five people going. Um, we, we have Everything the, has changed, doesn't it? Everything yeah, the, the mayor is gone. It starts officially tomorrow. Um, uh, and the mayor, mayor is there and Adolfo is there as well, who is our tourism councillor. Um, because, you know, there's some the recovery for 2022 is very important I, mean, I was at an event a couple of months ago i think it was the start of december when jet 2 presented their annual report here and i mean this was just before omicron and they were very very hopeful about 2022 um now i think omicron put a huge dent in expectations for the end of the year season yes but if we look at that and what you and I were also talking about and we were going to talk about on this podcast, which is the whole issue of how testing is going to be carried out in the future, whether we are genuinely moving from a pandemic to an endemic. You know, I think tourism chiefs will think that 2022 is a year of recovery. I don't know how you feel about that. I think everybody's hoping. Um... It, certainly things are moving forwards in ways that are at present rather difficult to assess because Carolina Darius, the national Spanish health minister, said in the last few days that once this 
sixth wave. It's now the sixth wave of, of COVID that Spain is, is under, and apparently it's moving west to east across, Euro across Europe. Um, she said that once this wave has passed, and it does appear to have flattened, mm -hmm. now, the figures do seem to, they were horrendous yeah. over the last month. There's over 160 dead in, in the last month in the Canaries. And those, those figures we haven't had before. So this, this, the idea that it's suddenly got very mild and Omicron is nothing to worry about. COVID here was terrible last month. Today, it seems to have, um, we can begin to see that it's flattening, the curve is flattening and it's going, numbers are going down. And so she said that once this is over, Spain will change its approach. I'm trying to choose my words very carefully mm -hmm. because I don't want to give the wrong impression. Okay. Spain will change its approach to the way to COVID and treat it not as a pandemic, but as endemic. Now that sounds like it's a positive move. Mm. We're going from a pandemic to something endemic. And I know that in, in the UK, the education secretary himself was talking about it. It's good news if you, if, it, if you can make it endemic. And clearly the education secretary hasn't got the first idea of what endemic actually means. Because what it means is it's always there. It's always there. It's, it's so, a constant. To clarify the terminology, an epidemic is an outbreak in, of something in a particular area. When that spreads very widely, it's a pandemic it's because it's everywhere. Over the world, yeah. If a disease becomes endemic, it means that it is in the place. It's, it's in the... It's part of... It's part of daily life. It's, and it's always going to be there. To give an example of some endemic diseases, HIV and more germane, perhaps, TB is endemic okay. we've never managed to wipe it out we have learned to live with it it rises up now and again and comes back there's always a low level of numbers in infections and then we will have surges and it is rife in prison populations particularly in america i understand it is also rife in areas where people live in relative poverty and so we can see COVID perhaps becoming a bit like TB. Mm. And Spain is going to treat it, this is why I was choosing my words carefully, Spain is going to treat it in the same way that they treat flu. This does not mean that they think COVID is like flu. No, but in terms of calculating numbers and trends and rises. Exactly, and also possibly make a an annual boosted vaccine available just okay. like you could have with maybe you'd go for your flu jab and you'd have your your COVID booster as well okay at the moment this announcement is so very new that we haven't got details yet because we are still in the sixth wave yeah but, and but if I'm correct Spain see that they I mean they're saying we will be the first to do this and they're hoping that they can get European medicine authority absolutely. approval for it and that it will become more common yeah and so we will have to wait to know what the measures that what measures will reflect this new approach that Spain has. But the idea that we are suddenly going to say COVID is over is now dead. It is not ever going to be over because mm. that's what endemic means. It is always going to be with us in one form or another. And it might mutate some mutations. Viruses always mutate. Look at the flu. 
yeah. have a different flu every year. Yes, we do. And COVID will be in that respect. It'll be a similar mm. sort of virus where we'll get some um, variants that will be more severe than others. And some years it might be very low level. But I think the problem areas are going to be in closely packed workplaces, closely packed environments, and the poorer areas are going to feel the brunt of it like they do with TB. Um, Spain is leading the way in this respect, and Spain is also leading the way in one other respect, and they need, this needs trumpeting, because it's all very well saying, well, of course, the reason it's now endemic, and the reason we're going to have to live with it, and the reason we're always going to have to have some measure, or at least some booster every year, is because of the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers and all the rest of it. That's true in one respect, but that's only in respect of how it's affected our own outbreak here. The big problem is that the Western world's disinclination to lift patents on the vaccine developments and export to the rest of the world means this is a huge problem in the rest of the world, particularly the sure. developing world or the third world. And while that is true globally, we are always going to have to live with this. But Spain has the record, I understand now, for exporting vaccines Excellent. everyone has everyone's failed to make the pharmaceutical companies make the recipe available mm -hmm. by lifting the patent i mean that's a lost cause you've tried to end their profits they won't they won't have that but spain is leading the way in the numbers of vaccines exported to countries in africa and the far east and south america as well good old spain good old spain <laughs> good old spain that's <laughs> yeah. nice to know and but and obviously you know we started talking about Victoria and tourism, I am assuming, well, should I be assuming this? Um, I mean, if the move is towards psychologically even moving away from living in a pandemic situation, that will also then affect not just people's attitude to travel, but I presume government restrictions on travel. Um, I think the, uh, the notion of being vaccinated will stay around for a while. That's just my gut feeling. I think um, so. And uh, that you know that there are alternatives to if you if you if you're not vaccinated you need A B or C, but I mean the issue of doing tests when you get there or before you travel I think I have a feeling that will start to actually disappear, um, and people's actual status health status will will become more relevant. That's my gut feeling. Yeah, at all. I, I agree with you. I, I think travel restrictions are very likely to ease, and probably ease significantly. I don't think they'll be removed altogether, but I, I think the majority of restrictions like testing and isolation mm. and quarantine, we, we, can, we can see those going now at some point. Um, it will affect tourism, but as I say, until we actually know what measures they're envisaging as a means of approaching this as an endemic condition, then until we know that, we won't know quite how it affects tourism, but tourism is a huge thing for Spain. They need tourists, yeah. so they, yeah. Yeah. they will do as much as they need to. They have shown this, to be fair, over the last two years, haven't they? They will do as much as they need to, but as little as they can get away with safety. Yeah. I mean, apparently, and before Omicron... It creates the safest option. It, indeed, but also, I mean, it is finding that balance, certainly in the case of, say, Tenerife and Adeje, without tourism, this borough descends into poverty at the moment 
yeah. because it is the main economic motor. Um, but they're also really aware. I mean, like developing the whole notion of, of, of healthy, de healthy tourism destinations where hotels would, would bring in uh, training courses, sanitation devices, you know, measures that would keep visitors safe. And before Omicron, bookings were up to 90% again. Uh, but then those I have to say, from, from the perspective of measures that have been put in place here, the hotels have played a blinder. I mean, they, yeah, they really they, have. And they, they've they been like, been like the H10. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they've been so, at the complete mercy of the illness, but and, and the measures that have been had, that have had to be put in place. But everything that has been demanded of them, they have complied with mm. in a way that few other sectors have. And, and to be congratulated. And, Another thing I did want to say, I mean, it's very easy, I think, to criticize other countries that aren't our country at the moment for how they have or haven't handled things. And I know, you know, you look at the UK, you look at Ireland, you look at the United States, and they, they should have done this, that and the other. I think most countries got some things right. Um, yeah. And I mean, I look at this now from a personal point of view, because I have a kid who's studying in the UK. And one of the things that I am very impressed with is how... For instance, she has to do twice weekly antigen tests before she can go to school and they're free. And I mean, this has always been one of the things, the whole issue around the antigen test and the cost of them. And the UK got that right, as far as I'm concerned. I think they did. Yeah. That antigen test would be available free and that schools and other businesses were encouraged and other countries are only catching up on that now. And I'm mentioning that because I think a very important thing happened here last week. And I know it's been published, published and, and promoted, but to remind people again, the cost of antigen tests now cannot be more than 294, 2 euros 94 per test. Because I know in some areas, and certainly during the height of Omicron, people were being charged five, six, seven, eight, nine euros per test. Yeah, I heard 970 odd was the highest I, I heard. So nowadays, it's guys, it's outrageous profiteering. Outrageous. Complete profiteering. So the yeah. government finally, after a lot of persuasion, last week announced that there is now a ceiling, a maximum cost. So if you go to a chemist tomorrow and they try to charge you five euros for an anti-gem, tell them that, is, that you know that there is now a maximum cost and it's 2.94 per test, which is reasonable. It's not as good as free. But, you know, if you buy a, if you're a family of five and you're going somewhere where there's going to be a lot of people around, I mean, I still think it's worthwhile. I did them over Christmas every night. If I was going anywhere where there was going to be, you know, another family, we tested. I just thought it was the right thing to do. It's also worth mentioning while, while we're talking about testing um, that vaccination boosters now are available for over 40s in Tenerife. We were late in Tenerife with the um, the over 40s boosters because our health system here was under such pressure, more okay. in Tenerife than anywhere else. And for the last month or so, they've been offering boosters in Fuerteventura and Lanzarote and Gran Canaria to the over 40s. We've had okay. to wait. Um, and that is a, specifically because the health system was under such pressure in this island. Because and of the rate of infections. Yeah, that's now easing. So anybody over 40 can ring um, 012 or at weekends just turn up at one of the mass yeah. vaccine centres and, and they can get the, um, the vaccine. The booster shot. Booster. Yeah. And I mean, I, you, you and I had utterly different experiences of the booster shot. Mine was a doddle. You you were knocked back a little bit by it. But I mean, it's worth yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a rotten time. 
Yeah. Let's not go there because what we don't want any we don't want to, to spark a vax no vax debate. Absolutely guys. not. We're no, just no, saying no, if you want to get your booster shot, you can do it now. Go get it because I tell you, twenty four hours of discomfort knowing that I was protected is a price I would pay happily any time. And me, and me. Anyway, I have have we <laughs> so we've annoyed enough people, have we, Janet? <laughs> <laughs> We've annoyed the anti-chicken brigade. We've annoyed the anti-vax brigade, the anti-La Palma brigade. <laughs> there can't I mean, be an anti-La Palma brigade. There can't be an anti-La Palma brigade. But I mean, so I think so. Our next, our next podcast will be on a boat from from the coast of La Palma. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'm feeling more relaxed now than I was two months ago. Uh, certainly at the start of December, I got very depressed, more depressed than I've been at any stage, just because of the bleakness of it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I kind of do think 2022 will be a better year. I really hope so. I really hope so as well. And let, I mean, let's just hope. I mean, going to endemic status is, is just a recognition of reality. It doesn't alter anything in that respect. We can see the figures are coming down vaccination rates are quite high even if we were 100 percent vaccinated until the rest of the world is done we're all going to have a problem so all we can do is is what we would do with flu i i think masking has become such a a routine thing for so many now that is likely to be something we see continuing and, and they've done it in the far east i mean you go to japan or south korea people just walk around with face masks on and it's yeah normal. yeah it's, it's normal uh, it's second nature and I mean I, I do think and I I know people complain about them and they're not comfortable and stuff but they're more comfortable than being in a hospital bed with a ventilator down oh, your throat God, yes. but again yeah. you know um I feel it's it's like putting on a seatbelt well you know again we could go down this warren and this rabbit hole and start talking about how you and i feel about things because i think we both know how we feel about things we're on the same page here absolutely um, so let's just let's just leave it with the, the fact that we never these days hear people saying well why can't you drink and drive <laughs> it's true you know, or why do I have to wear a seatbelt? It's become second nature. And yet there was a period, I'm old enough to remember it, <clears throat> when the, the rules were new and people saw rule breakers and said nothing, mm. sometimes even perhaps slightly envied them, feeling, mm. well, I wish I could be so blasé about the law. And certainly with there was a whole spell back in the 80s, perhaps, where people would see drink drinking drivers and would just keep shtum about it. They, they mightn't get in the car with the person who was drunk, but they wouldn't take his keys off him or her. Yeah. And there came a point where that became what you did. You did take people's keys off. Mm. There seemed to be a tipping point at which oh. enough people were conscious of what needed to be done and could see the benefit from doing it. Sure. To see the numbers falling of people who are dying in mm car crashes or drunk driving incidents and then they started taking action it's a bit like me too isn't it once enough or, or women or men even, are encouraged to say you can't do this yeah smoking then, in bars and restaurants janet when that, another one. 
you know, and it's kind of more insidious because you might not see the harm that you are doing to a worker. Um, and I mean, again, Ireland was the first one to actually ban this. And it was because of the health of workers. It wasn't because it was dirty, though it was dirty. And I'm an ex-smoker, but it was because, you know, that you are that somebody has the right to work in a healthy environment and they don't they don't have to take in people's secondary smoke. And I remember when that was first mooted here, people were going, oh, it could never work here. You kind of go, well, and now yeah, it just well, does. You know, in the end, it does. I, I, my own personal perspective is I just think it's a, such a shame that we have to legislate for people's responsibilities because everybody wants all the rights and they don't want any of the responsibilities and they have to be legislated. But if it has to be legalised, then it has to be legalised or yeah. made illegal. So be it. So be it. Anyway, we didn't want to end on this kind of barracking note, well, Janice. We wanted no, to be all we, jolly we and aunties. <laughs> no, we, we, I'm looking out of my window now and the trees are still um, being buffeted about and little birds are being blown everywhere. The canaries, poor little things, they go for their seeds and of course the seeds have all been blown away. <laughs> but, but at least your hens are at home. The hens are indoors and They're... they are in their own little house and yeah, in their straw in the warm. Do you leave a little visiting card to say, I shall be around to clean at 4 p.m.? Please hang a sign if you cards. don't. <laughs> they leave enough visiting cards for me to clean up, I tell you. <laughs> but I hope they leave gifts as well. Shelled yes. gifts. Now, now and again, few and now they're getting on a little bit. Yeah, they're still okay. there. Well, give my love to the girls. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> and we shall talk again next week or the week after. A couple of interesting things coming up in February, guys. So uh, we shall keep you up to date. And hopefully it'll, we'll try and be brighter and jollier next time around. And we won't mention nasty things, but inevitably we will. The world is a difficult place at the moment and we have to find our joys where we can. And I think we can find plenty of joy in the recovery of La Palma and yes. the fact that this horrible weather is passing. Yes. And the fact that it hasn't caused any sort of damage other than to people's roofs and roof tiles and exactly and oh this is blue monday apparently by the way which is you know in certain parts of the world considered the saddest day or the most depressing day of the year oh, oh. so but so here's the thing it is here in Adeca we have a day off on thursday because it is san sebastian now unfortunately there are no horses getting going down for a bathe in the the Lion Ramada Beach. Sorry, guys, that's a COVID thing. But that day off, schools will be closed. I'm not working, so I can, you know, go for, hopefully I can go for a swim, depending on the weather, without a horse. <laughs> One of our friends went for a swim in El Medno yesterday. The, the sea is quite cold, I think, and it's a little bit rough, but all the same, went for a swim. And well, I did, I did go for a walk along Fania Bay Beach yesterday. Um, I just needed to get out of the house and blow the cobwebs away. And I think there were lifeguards out, so I don't think people were allowed to swim. And all up and down the beach, the, the beach was empty. But I did see one family, you know, valiantly building sandcastles. And I just thought <laughs> they probably only flew in last night. And they're saying, I don't care what the weather's like before. <laughs> We've flown 4,000 miles. We're going to the beach. And come to my garden, there's enough sand out there to build any number of sand castles at it the moment. My living room has been blown <laughs> in from the Kalima. <laughs> I can build my own little sand castle. All right, Janet Anscombe, until next time. Until Stay next safe. Bye-bye, everybody. Look Stay after safe. the chickens. Bye. <laughs> Bye.